Kelly Sue DeConnick took Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, and turned her into a character that every little girl wants to be. There's a real day-to-day authenticity, which is funny when you consider it's like you make energy beams with your fists and you fly around. She is emotionally courageous. It stings for her to make a mistake, but Carol will always get back up. Welcome to Women of Marvel. I'm Ellie Pyle, and I actually worked on the first issue of Captain Marvel. Also, today's my birthday. Happy birthday! And I am Marvel writer Preeti Chibber, who has read the first issue of Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel is the one woman of Marvel who has flown even higher, further, and faster than any other. And she was the first female character with her own solo movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And with a new big screen adventure coming out this month, it's time to talk about Captain Marvel, aka Carol Danvers. Now, everybody loves Carol, but longtime listeners of this podcast know that nobody loves Carol more than our previous host, Judy Stevens. Oh, hello. I have returned to the Woman of Marvel. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Welcome back. And I do very much love Captain Marvel, so I'm very excited to join you both to talk all about Carol. So we know you, Judy, and we know your deep love of Carol, but maybe tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself and why you're here to talk about Carol. Well, I spent some time at Marvel in in my (laughs) career. Maybe almost 15 years, and I still currently work. I'm writing two books for Marvel right now, one of them that's been announced, and one of them is a secret that I can't talk about yet. But my relationship to Carol really ties back to 2012 when she was announced to be taking over the Captain Marvel mantle, and I decided that A, I wanted to learn more about her, and B, I really wanted to cosplay her new outfit, and have cosplayed her many times, and have shouted my love to the sky all about Carol. So Judy, I know that you have infinite reasons to love Carol, but if you had to narrow it down to just five reasons to love Captain Marvel, why everyone else should love her too, what would those five reasons be? Well, it is certainly very hard to pick just five, but (laughs) I did some thinking, so here we go. Okay, first off, she is truly just a badass with her powers and even without time and time again, we've seen her stand up to the challenges and struggles in her day job, you know, as a hero, fighting crime, fighting alien invasions, but also just in her normal life on the ground as Carol. You know, she's proven that she's really not afraid of anything you throw at her. Number two, she has demonstrated how authentically loyal she can be, not only to her fellow heroes, but also in her personal life to her friends and family. She is truly the best friend you can have. Number three, her growth and maturity. Throughout her time on the pages, we've really watched her mature as a hero and as a woman, growing to learn when she's made the right decision and the wrong, which I think is a very important trait. Number four, becoming Captain Marvel. Along with that is the evolution of her identity with her uniform, accepting the Captain Marvel mantle, and adapting her outfit to match her new future. Also, I just want to personally shout out the new Jen Bartel update that just came out. Oh my God, I cannot wait to cosplay it. It's so great. And finally, number five, building a community. From looking back to the 1970s and second wave feminism to now in the last decade, Captain Marvel has really welcomed new fans to the comics 
and built this community for people who may have not felt that they had a voice here. I mean, you can literally look back to the origins of this podcast as a tie to that. So I like Carol. (laughs) So let's step back for a moment. Who is Carol Danvers? Who is Captain Marvel? And where did she come from? How did she become such a phenomenon? Okay, so sit down. (laughs) Carol has had an incredible history, leading back all the way to the 1970s. We first meet her as a retired Air Force pilot working for NASA with the dream of going to space. But her life would be changed forever when she was accidentally transformed into a human-Cree hybrid with extraordinary powers. And these powers are incredible. She has superhuman strength and durability, energy blasts, and being able to fly, which is personally my favorite. From there, she would take on the identity of Miss Marvel, working alongside the original Captain Marvel, Marvel, and the Avengers. But like all heroes, she has had her highs and lows. And at a time, she lost her powers and memories after being attacked by Rogue, who was then a member of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. But, like the hero she truly is, Carol would fight to recover, eventually becoming even stronger than before thanks to some assistance from Cosmic Powers at a time taking on the codename Binary. With her powers returned, she again took her rightful place side by side with the Avengers, helping to save New York City and Earth again and again. After Marvel sacrificed his life for his people, Carol would take on the new identity of Captain Marvel as tribute. Plus, with a brand spanking new uniform. Since then, Carol has stayed busy, co-founding the A-Force, a team of all-female Avengers, and at a time becoming commander of Alpha Flight, Earth's first line of defense against alien invasions. All along the way, joining the Avengers to fight battles on and off the planet and being a mentor to the new heroes leading the way behind her. Judy, obviously you were born for this episode. I absolutely love Carol. You know, I've spent many a times talking about Carol Danvers and her history as Miss Marvel and Captain Marvel. And that was just a tease of the last 50 plus years going all the way back to the 1970s with the original run. You can read all of that on Marvel Digital Comics. So you should definitely head over there and learn even more about her. Conveniently enough, we will have a reading list for you later in the episode. And Judy, as you mentioned, there is no writer who has been associated with Carol more than the amazing Kelly Sue DeConnick. So many voices have made Carol Danvers who she is, but Kelly Sue's legacy is especially tied up with Carol's. She wrote that first run of Captain Marvel in which Carol takes on the mantle, which I was lucky enough to be an assistant editor on for a very little bit, but for those who did not get to witness all of that happening live, we brought Kelly Sue in to talk about it. You have to understand, at the time, we had zero expectations for this. I didn't plan past the sixth issue. (laughs) And it wasn't a miniseries. We were an ongoing, but I was like, yeah, we're not going to make it past the sixth issue. I remember when there were some folks that were upset about the costume change, I was like, oh, relax, it'll be back in a year. So no, there was no like, oh, this is significant and meaningful. And I'm glad because I would have been paralyzed by that. You know, it was just, I guess six issues to do something I'm excited about doing because... I wanted to talk about women aviators. You know, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't any kind of 
we are going to affect the culture, you know? It's so funny listening to you talk about going into this and the expectations. I wasn't working in comics at the time. I was writing about comics for a site that was a lot of marginalized people who wrote for the site. And I can just remember the excitement in our Slack channel around like the announcements that were coming out and the visuals we were seeing and just like everyone was just like, I can't wait for this. Like, I can't believe this is happening. Can you talk a little bit about Jamie McKelvey's redesign? Like what had Carol been in before and then what was the new look? So previously Carol was in the Dave Cockrum black swimsuit with the lightning bolt. And it's a beautiful costume. And when superheroes were first hitting the pages, they were influenced in their design by gymnasts, acrobats, circus performers, which completely makes sense, right? Big on the leotards. And that was great at the time. But over the years, Carol's swimsuit kind of became a thong. And the thigh boots and domino mask over time sort of started to look like dominatrix gear. And it just didn't make sense to me for her character as we were envisioning her. In fact, it was really important to me that we not refer to it as her costume, Mm -hmm. that it was her uniform, because I just didn't think Carol was someone who would wear a costume. And so when... Steve called to say that the book was going to happen. Stephen Wacker was the senior editor in the Spider Office at the time. Right. That was when he told me that she would be Captain Marvel. So understand that I pitched Ms. Marvel. I did not pitch Captain Marvel. That was Steve Wacker's doing. And he said, and as long as we're going to change her code name, let's put her in pants. And I was like, great. <laughs> Let's do that. (laughs) But at the time, for the aforementioned, this book is not going to last six issues, you know, we were told that there was no budget to redo her costume. It would have to be done in-house. So we were sent some designs to look at, and they were okay, but there was nothing about them that looked especially Carol about it. And at the time, Jamie McKelvey was doing kind of fan art initiative to redesign contemporary characters in ways that were a little more modern and a little more fashion forward. And I was really smitten with them. I think Jamie has a terrific design eye and a terrific eye for fashion. So I asked Steve if we could get Jamie to take a a pass at the designs. And Steve said, no. But in that sort of Steve nudge, nudge, wink, wink way, it was like, if Jamie should happen to do a design and it just made its way onto my desk, maybe I could show it to someone and possibly that would free up some budget. And so I reached out to Jamie and said, I want to make a bet. My bet is if you do this redesign, Marvel will buy it. If I win the bet, Marvel buys it and I get to write Carolyn your design. 
And if I lose the bet, I will buy the design. And we will never know, thank goodness, whether Jamie would have actually made me write that check. (laughs) (laughs) But it kind of went down exactly as Steve thought it would. What were some aspects of her personality or the character that you really loved digging into? And was there anything that you wanted to do more with that you maybe didn't get a chance to? Gosh, that's a tough question. So I thought I've got six issues, right? And so I knew I wanted to talk about women aviators. That was really important to me. And I really wanted to center her identity as a pilot. Carol had been through a whole bunch of different incarnations. She was a science fiction writer, I think, at one point. Uh, She had a blog. She was the editor of Woman Magazine. I mean, like, there's a whole bunch of different things that they've done with her. But for a couple of reasons, largely, though, because it was something that was really meaningful to me, I really wanted to emphasize her as being Air Force and as being a pilot. So I was like, well, I got six issues. I want to talk about the history of women aviators. Time travel. That also gave me the opportunity to revisit her origin a little bit because I thought there were some things about it that we could modernize. And, you know, we knocked all of that out in six issues. I was pretty pleased, to be honest. So a big part of your legacy with Captain Marvel is the Carol Corps. Can you explain that to our listeners and talk about how that came about? Sure. So there's a couple things that are the big important points about the Carol Corps. You know, one is, again, very unromantic reality in the origin of the Carol Corps, which was, I was trying to sell books and... (laughs) I had been a member of the KISS Army as a child. I had like a little membership card and a belt buckle. And I liked that. I liked a fandom that had a name. So, you know, I wanted something that was alliterative. And I wanted something that referenced her military background. And so Carol Corps was great. Except for the fact that there were a lot of people who couldn't pronounce it. So it was the Carol Corpse, which was like, no, that's a dead person. Don't do that. Like guilty as charged. No, it's very sweet. You know, that's how you know a reader, right? That's how you know a reader. You know, that like there's when you're reading words that you haven't heard. Mm -hmm. But when you say, when you pronounce it corpse, it sounds like a corpse, which is like, ooh, but it's the opposite of what we're going for here. So I did membership cards. I got an early supporter. I think his name was Psycho Andy, actually. He designed some membership cards for us, and I printed those out and took them to cons. I had dog tags made and gave those to members of the Carol Corps and and just made a policy of signal boosting anything and everything to help people who were interested in the character and the community find each other, Mm -hmm. right? So that it wouldn't be centering us, it would be centering them. Like, you guys find each other around this character and then you'll be a community. And then the thing about it that I 
didn't have anything to do with and is just really beautiful and lucky is the people who are drawn to that character are people who see themselves in her. Mm-hmm. You know, and my conception of Carol is that she stumbles, she makes mistakes, she's wildly imperfect. I don't think Carol's a great leader. I'm not sure Carol should have been a colonel. I don't think Carol should run the Avengers. I think Carol's a much better pilot than she is colonel, you know? I think she's not a thinker. She'd rather hit a problem, you Mm -hmm. know? But the thing about her is that she is emotionally courageous. She is absolutely willing to be wrong. She's got a twinkle in her eye and a kind of confidence, but it's not the kind of confidence that Tony has that's like pride-based. It's just a center. Mm -hmm. And it stings for her to make a mistake. It stings for her to be wrong. But Carol will always get back up. So the folks that were drawn to Carol, who identified as part of the Carol Corps, were people who were absolutely willing to extend a hand to others, who were absolutely willing to be wrong, who were absolutely willing to take emotional risks and... They were and are the loveliest human beings that you could possibly hope for. And so that was not my doing. That was something that was bigger. And, you know, I think there are things about these really iconic characters that transcend any creative teams. Could you share any thoughts you have on what it's like to see Captain Marvel on the screen, both in the upcoming Marvel Studios, The Marvels, as well as the first Captain Marvel film? I love it so much, you guys. And, you know, and I loved and love the first Captain Marvel film, although I will say my favorite part of it, I had nothing to do with. And it kills me because it is so good. I deeply wish I had written it, but I didn't. Which part? It is the scene towards the end of the film where Carol faces off with Jan Rog and Mm. he says, you know, put away the fireworks when you can take me on man to man, mano a mano, that's when, you know, you've made it. And she's like, and just zaps him, (laughs) right? Yes, it's great. It's great. It's great. But for a character that was specifically created, empowered to be a feminist character, right? The female fury. It is the most feminist moment I have seen in a major tentpole film ever. In that moment, what the film is saying is, ladies, You do not have to compete Mm -hmm. on a field of someone else's ability. Mm -hmm. You do not have Mm -hmm. to hide your gifts. You do not have to pretend to be someone else. You may bring everything that you are and you don't have to diminish yourself. They don't get to set the standards. They don't get to name the terms. You be you. And I'm, I'm getting chills. It is a beautiful, powerful moment. 
And every time I have kids in my line at a convention who have seen the movie and, you know, they come dressed in costumes. And you guys, after that movie came out, I've had some little boys in Captain Marvel costumes, which makes my heart just leap out of my chest. I mean, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to center the boys again, but just women have cross-identified and supported male heroes. And because in our culture, men are high status and it's looked at as identifying up, right? There's no backlash for that. But for little boys to have a favorite superhero be a woman is looked at as sort of diminishing. And the fact that our culture is making these changes in such a way that little boys could be very comfortable being little boys and be like, yeah, she's cool. She is powerful, you know, was just the best to me. So that that is jaw-dropping and humbling and to have the opportunity to be a part of that in any way whatsoever is one of the greatest things that's happened in my career. But then to, you know, I'll talk to the little girls about the movie and I'll ask them, you know, what are your favorite parts? And the flirkin gets a lot of love. <laughs> and like, you're Fair. not wrong, right? But there is also the very next thing is that moment. And they can't articulate why, but that's okay. Because on some level, they're absorbing that message. And that's really, mm -hmm. really important. And so I'm super, super proud of that. So all of that said, I love the first movie. It's great. The second movie, also great. <laughs> and Nia DaCosta is brilliant. I was so in awe of watching her work. She's such a natural leader. She's so self-possessed. Nia knows who she is. She's very good at her job. She knows it. And she is able to bring that to the set in a way that isn't, it's inviting. She's warm and funny, but she is unapologetically in charge. And you have such confidence in her that it's very safe. And so the actors get tremendous performances because she's got them, mm -hmm. you know? Just really, really terrific stuff. And the balance between the three leads is fun and lovely. I love seeing female friendships on screen. Iman is so delightful. We, I'm like, <laughs> we yeah. are all going to work for her one day mm -hmm. and I can't wait. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm mm -hmm. in. What do you want me to do? You know, we went to lunch and she like brought her notebook and she had a whole bunch of questions for me. I was like, I love you so much. She is just a goddamn delight. And Monica Rambeau gets her due. She is funny and beautiful and powerful and smart. And the three of them play off each other so well. And I think this iteration of Carol, I think Brie's performance and I adore her. In the first film, the places where I'm like, that's my Carol, right? Are like, you know, when she lands and then she has to blow her hair out of her face, right? Mm -hmm. I was like, that's my girl. Like, you know, <laughs> you are not Black Widow. It's going to go wrong, right? <laughs> and when the scroll roars at her and she sort of roars back, 
Mwah, so good. And then when she breaks the things off her hands and she's like, ha ha, like, right? Like, that's my girl. And there's so much more of that in the second film. It's just, that's like, oh yes, this is our Carol, you know? So that's, that's just really lovely. Anyway, I'm really, really excited about the film. I didn't mean to be gassing it up quite so much, but I could go on and on because it's so good and I'm really excited about it. Yeah, it's it's going to be fantastic. So excited. Um, yes. Well, thank you so much for coming on to chat with us today. If people want to find you on the internet, if you want to be found, where can they find you? They can find me on the internet on Instagram at Kelly Sue D. And then on my do people do websites anymore? We have a website. You can go to our website. My husband and I, Matt Fraction, are at milkfed.us. And we have a contact page there. You can request the Visible Women spreadsheet. If you are looking to hire women to work in comics, I would be happy to provide you with that spreadsheet for free. And before I say goodbye. I do want to take a moment because I feel like I talked about, it was, there's a lot of me, 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 me here and nothing in contemporary superhero comics is one person. Absolutely nothing. And I have been blessed in my entire career with some of the most astounding, gifted, generous collaborators that you could possibly have the opportunity to work with. And I would like to suggest that people seek out Dexter Soy, who our first run on Captain Marvel, that was his first major book. I've gotten to work with a lot of artists who did beautiful, beautiful renditions of Carol but the one that lives in my head is Dex's. There's something about the image that he drew of her standing on the wing of the T6 in the t-shirt and belt buckle. That's like, oh, that's her. There she is. So Dex and Emma Rios, Philippe Andrade. And then on our second run, I got to work with David Lopez, who remains a dear friend to this day. Marcio Takara, who is as responsible for the success of the Flurkin as anyone. So these are my really, really wonderful, amazingly talented collaborators. I hope you will seek them out and all of the many colorists who worked with us as well. So I will stop now, but it was really important to me to get that. Kelly Sue is so right about all of the people who found themselves drawn to the Carol Corps. They have all been so wonderful. Every one of them I've had a pleasure to talk to at conventions and all of that. And it's so great when you find a character like that who speaks to so many people in such a specific way. Yeah, it's funny. Like, Judy, I basically, in my head, like, you are Carol Core. Like, I can't think of you without thinking of the Carol Core. So tell us what it's like being a part of that sort of thing. I mean, just as Kelly Sue said, the community was just so incredible and so welcoming. You know, I think back to the first time I wore my Captain Marvel costume at Dragon Con in 2012. The Carol Core was very fresh, very new. The comic had only been out for, like, 
a month. And I'm not even sure if Kelly had given them a name yet, but the community was already there. And every single person would come up to me and be like, oh my God, we're so excited to see you wearing this. The amount of dads that came up to me and were so excited to be able to have this character, to be able to share with their daughters and welcome them into comics. Because for many people who are new to comics, like the world was very different back then. You know, in 2012, if you go back then, the communities online weren't as built up as they are now. You really had to know where to go. And it was at that point, you could just go on Twitter And be like, hey, I'm interested in this character. I'm interested in this space. And someone would just pop up and be like, hey, here's a Tumblr reading guide. Or you should talk to this person and they'll connect you. Just the experience of watching Kelly Sue integrate and just build up that community. I mean, it's just been such an incredible experience like over the years. And then seeing them come alive again in 2019 when the movie came out. The community is much larger than it was back then, but it's still so welcoming. Judy's not the only OG member of the Carol Corps that we talked to this episode. My name is Allison Baker, and once upon a time, I hosted a podcast called The Hangout, and we were very, very active in the early days of the Carol Corps. For that, I will turn this over to our fandom correspondent, Faith. Could you tell us a little bit about what the Carol Corps is? Sure. The Carol Corps was this kind of homegrown fandom entity that came together in 2012-ish, maybe 2013, mostly online on Twitter and on Tumblr, kind of organizing around specifically the launch of Captain Marvel with Carol Danvers having the name, you know, like the new costume. You know, she's no longer Ms. Marvel. And it was kind of really all started by guerrilla marketing, by... Kelly Sue DeConnick in some way. An icon. Yes. (laughs) She was very active on Twitter and Tumblr, interacting with fans. And because of the way the story was positioned at the time, it was kind of positioned as a good jumping on point for if you had never. It absolutely was. Yeah. 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 It was kind of a first time experience for a lot of people with Marvel, myself included. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So a bunch of these kind of new to Marvel fans coming in around this character and Basically befriending each other online, making crafts, drawing fan art, writing fiction, sending trinkets to one another, and then kind of graduated into fan meetups at different conventions and panels and tons of amazing cosplay. And somehow by sheer force of will, then a movie happened. <laughs> you know? At least that's how I like to think of it. I like to think no, the Carol yes. Corps is the reason for that. <laughs> I mean, I feel like any sort of like strong love or passion for a character can manifest these sorts of things in all different sorts of ways. So I know you said that Carol was kind of your gateway into Marvel Comics and the Carol Corps and things like that. How did you first learn about them and get involved? Like what was kind of your jumping off point? So I was, at the time, a co-host of a comics podcast with two other women called The Hangout. Oh, I love it. And one of my co-hosts, Jesse, was a big Marvel reader. I grew up on the Distinguished Competition (laughs) and had attempted to like dip my toe in at various times over the years, found it overwhelming, couldn't do it. But Jesse recommended, she's like, you've got to read this new Captain Marvel comic. This is outstanding. So the other two of us picked it up and like I immediately became obsessed. I was like, this is so good. This was when Dexter Soy was still doing the interior art right before Mm -hmm. it kind of transitioned over to Felipe Andrade. 
and just like it was incredible I was like this character feels very relatable and the story feels accessible and I want to clarify when I say relatable I don't just mean like oh just like me it was more of like Carol can be kind of a garbage fire but also right. kind of a badass <laughs> and I was like that dichotomy I find relatable like it's you know, aspirational yeah like she's brave and she's hot and also this massive nerd and sometimes a complete idiot you know it's relatable without being like really broody and dark you know like something about it clicked with me and it went from there she's flawed in a realistic kind of a way as opposed to like an overdramatic kind of a way like Mm -hmm. she makes mistakes you could see yourself making very much so yeah there's a real kind of day-to-day authenticity which is funny when you consider it's like you make energy beams with your fists and you fly around (laughs) I don't do that but I do get your chaotic dating life and the fact that your best friend has to yell at you sometimes and the fact that your cat is driving you crazy like I get all of that (laughs) and so how did you start to get involved then with the Carol Corps did it start online did you meet people at conventions or it all started online I mean I was already on Tumblr and on Twitter and just when we started talking about it on the hangout you know, people would reach out and say, oh, like, we really like that too. And so, you know, we'd start following each other. And the community on Tumblr was, I think, where I really kind of felt like I clicked in with the Carol Corps because it was so active and everyone was so friendly. Tumblr was great for it, especially in that time. It was just the people like posting the pictures of the things they were making, people setting up like, hey, let's do like fun trades with each other of like, I'll make you this if you do this, like, people posting their cosplay progress like I made friends through that process that I am still friends with today and it's been you know it's been a decade on now it's crazy but yeah like that's kind of how I got active with them and then I'm trying to remember if it was 2013 or 2014 at Heroes Con was the first time I got to go to a Captain Marvel specific meetup right I think I also went to one at New York Comic Con that year. There was a great gathering of all these people in Carol cosplay. And I was dressed as Jessica Drew. And when I walked up, a million Carols like grabbed my face and smushed it like that panel from the comic. (gasps) Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. (laughs) it It was a great day. It's so weird to kind of look back on now and how kind of instantly everyone that connected, like we were all like, yeah, no, we're all best friends now. This is a ride or die situation. I love that. And I feel like there's something so specific about fandom communities and particularly ones forged both on the internet and then in cosplay in person that like a mutual bonding over a shared specific love of one thing, like one character. You know, I feel like a lot of people love to make it out like, oh, everyone's in competition with each other, but there's really just such a true love to it. It's a, I think an awe over just the amount of work that people put into it. Like, you know, I can't sew and I'm not very crafty, but I was just in pure awe of what people could create specifically out of love for this character that meant something to them. And, you know, they show it to people and people go, that's wonderful. Here's the thing I made. That's wonderful. Let's all do our thing together because you're not getting paid to do it. You're doing it because like you specifically care about it so much. You're like, I'm going to go buy materials and I'm going to construct things and I'm going to burn my fingers and <laughs> and then I'm going to present it to the world. Yeah, and and you're going to be met with 
clearly this community of love who is going to completely embrace everything you do, no matter your skill level or who you are or where you came from or your entry point. I love that. So you talked a little bit about kind of manifesting uh, the Captain Marvel film. So what was it like for you, for the rest of the Carol Corps, when Marvel Studios' Captain Marvel premiered? It kind of didn't feel real. (laughs) Because, you know, a lot of, and this I think is true of superhero comics that a lot of publishers a lot of changes and reboots that happen to characters don't always stick, right? Right. You know, like characters die and come back, people get updated outfits, people get updated arcs, and then sometimes it sticks and sometimes it just reverts to what it was. And so it was already crazy enough that like Captain Marvel, you know, this stuck. Like it, it yeah. really, it hit and it stuck. And then to see like, oh, now this is going to be an actual movie And these movies are now like the biggest movies that are happening. Like everyone sees these movies, like this character that I, you know, have had my little necklace for, for a while. Everyone's going to know who that is. It was so exciting. Like I still remember (laughs) when the first trailer came out being like, okay, they really did it. I kind of thought they were faking me out, but they really, really did it. They actually made this movie and they didn't just make the movie. They made a good movie. Right. You know, it's because there's the worst fear of all superhero fans is. Oh, yeah. They're finally going to put my character in a movie. What if it's bad? (laughs) I feel like that with any like page to screen adaptation, that's always the fear, right? Yeah. Like comics are a completely separate medium. So it's tricky. And, you know, with Captain Marvel, I remember I went to see it, did the midnight showing And I smiled so hard that my face hurt (laughs) and, you know, came out of it being like, wow, this is truly and completely rad. And then like a year later, we got treated to her punching Thanos in the face. I mean, a win all around. Yeah. (laughs) Judy mentioned it earlier and Allison talked about how surreal it was when Marvel Studios' Captain Marvel came out. She felt like the Carol Corps manifested it purely through their love for Carol. And I wasn't a part of the Carol Corps, but even as just a regular fan, I could completely feel all the love around it. It was genuinely incredible to witness. Well, Carol even has fans beyond the Carol Corps who found her for the first time in the movies. I remember I saw that first movie. I was not working for Marvel at the time, and I was sitting next to a grizzled video game colleague. And, you know, the movie ended and he was like, hmm, yeah. So, you know, (laughs) Carol finds fans wherever she goes. I mean, just like thinking back to 2019, man, it was a different time. But I still remember when they announced Brie Larson as mm-hmm. Captain Marvel. She walked on stage. There's that iconic photo of her wearing the Marvel Studios hat after. And then just coming back full circle to being at the red carpet and interviewing all these fans on the carpet and how excited that they were that this film was finally coming out, that there was like this incredible icon on the screen. Brie Larson did such an incredible job. Like it was such a dream to be able to be a part of that and just see everyone's reactions. Cause like we all like believed deep inside that we needed this and then the world gifted it to us. It was very great. Speaking of the 2019 premiere of Marvel Studios, Captain Marvel, Judy, we are going to time travel back a little bit to listen to an interview that you did with Carol herself, Brie Larson. What is it like for you to be a part of this huge community of industry and fandom that support you in this film? I, it's, it's amazing. And I, I'm just so grateful, 
because I know that this was like such a, an amazing and beloved character. So I, I, especially now that like people are seeing the movie, I'm just glad that people feel seen and that they feel like their characters on screen. If there was one word for Captain Marvel, what would it be for you? Oh man, it's that's hard because she's so much. So I've just I've been saying dynamic because I can't. I know that this is the most dynamic character I've ever played. I lived this movie and I couldn't believe how many facets of her that there were. And it was like the true challenge of this and like the greatest joy was getting to play someone who's so complicated and also so herself at the same time while still discovering who she is, you know? It's cool. I just want to say thank you from all the fans at home, from the Woman of Marvel and from Sana. I, we are, make we me are cry. For this thank to you be here. so much. Thank no you. Problem. It really means so much. Oh, Judy, you made her cry. Oh, my God. I was crying. Like, after the camera cut, like, she got up and she gave me a hug. It was such an incredible feeling to just know that she cares as much about this character as all of her fans do. Like, I can't wait to see the next film. I'm so ready for it. We have one more clip we want to share from the Captain Marvel premiere. This is friend of the podcast, Lorraine Sink, interviewing Brie on the red carpet. Right now, you are between the U.S. Air Force and the best fans in the whole wide the world fans. of the best character. What, what has Carol meant to you? Because she means a lot to me, and I know she means a lot to so many people here. I mean, Carol changed my life, and this movie hasn't even come out yet. Just uh, in particular, getting strong and learning how to stand my ground and own myself and value my voice. Those are things that I learned from her. I, I've realized like that this is a, an important symbol. And it, like I said, she changed my life. So I'm excited to see what she can do to the rest of the world. All right, everyone, if you haven't already, make sure you go watch Marvel Studios' Captain Marvel now streaming on Disney+. You know, at the time, I think the release of Captain Marvel felt like we'd reached the peak of what it means to be a Captain Marvel fan. But Carol's iconic comic book phrase is, higher, further, faster, more. And there is always more Captain Marvel coming up in the Marvel Universe. Right now, writer Anne Nascenti and artist Paolo Villanelli are finishing up their five-issue limited series, Captain Marvel Dark Tempest. Issue five comes out next week. So Anne, tell us about your Captain Marvel series. Well, I want to say that the shout out has to go to Kelly Sue DeConnick because Kelly Sue took Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, and turned her into a character that every little girl wants to be. And it's a very passionate, I mean, never have I ever written a book for any company where I've been getting DMs on Twitter from the Carol Corps that are like, we love you, thank you. It reminds me of like the old days when we used to get letters from fans. And then Sarah Brunstead, my editor, she sent me a whole bunch of Kelly Thompson stories. And Kelly Thompson stories are so much fun and they're so sassy. And I went, okay, now I'm in trouble because I have to follow these two amazing females. Then she found me Paola Villanelli, who is a superstar artist. And then what I decided to do <laughs> is something a little bit ornery. Many years ago, I did a TED Talk. I got flown someplace as a maverick. And I remember thinking, I'm not a maverick. All the way up till I got on the stage, and I was like, I look next to me, and there's a female astronaut standing next to me. And I'm like, 
what am I doing on a stage with a female astronaut? She's the maverick, not me. <laughs> I definitely had imposter syndrome, but I thought, what if I have Captain Marvel? She's like busy. She's saving worlds. She's doing all this stuff. She gets a ping. Would you drop in this at-risk teen center for the Young Maverick program and just give a talk to these kids? And she's like, oh, okay, I'll give you five minutes. And so she heads there, and what does she see is a row of South Bronx kids that got their arms folded and they're looking at her like, yeah, Captain Marvel, you're going to tell us what life's about, you know? And so they have this, like, they really push back on her. And it was a great scene that Paolo drew so beautifully. The looks on those kids' faces, just like, yeah, Captain Marvel. So um, a portal opens and they all get swept to another planet. And so she's stuck with these kids that <laughs> can't stand her. What were parts of her personality or parts of her story you were especially excited to lean into? You know, she to me, she's hopeful. Like the kids, when she meets the kids and they're like, you know, you boomers... You killed the planet. You left us nothing. Our minimum wage hasn't changed in 40 years. Every bit of tech you throw at us turns out to, like, hurt us. And honestly, you always promised that what tech was going to do was relieve us of all the mundane stuff we mm -hmm. didn't want to do. And what have you done instead? You're creating tech that can draw and make music and write. You're taking all the cool jobs <laughs> away from us. So these kids are smart. So what I love about Captain Marvel, she has to say, even if the world is collapsing, even if we all die today, if we live today well, that's a good thing. She just listens to the waves of doom and gloom that come off them. And she's like, nope. Just get up and live today well, and you will have beat life. So she just keeps getting up, and no matter how mean they are to her and how they turn on her and how much they hurt her, she helps them. And, you know, she has to get them back home. So issue five is coming up soon. What can you tease for us about that? Well, issue five, <laughs> part of the fun of being a writer is that the first four issues, this for a five-issue thing, you're creative and you're throwing people all over the place and I have them in portals and then I have them lost in space and then I have them trapped places. Then issue five comes along where you have to go, oh my God, I've painted myself into a corner. <laughs> so I'm writing Captain Marvel number five right now and... I literally don't know how to get out of the corner I've painted myself into. And that is like the fun of comics. Because mm -hmm. if you map it all out like a schematic, if you use too much, you know, it becomes a dead thing. You have to let yourself just spitball and go crazy and come up with wild stuff. And then lurking in the back of your head is like, I'm going to be in that corner with all the red paint on the floor right up to where I'm standing. 
you know? But you're so right that that's so much part of the fun. <laughs> yeah. We really appreciate you coming by Women of Marvel today. And obviously we could have you talk about so many of the characters in our lineup. So we hope we will get to have you back again. Thank you so much. You girls are really fun. Go pick up the final issue of Captain Marvel Dark Tempest next week wherever you get your comics. While you're waiting for that last issue, though, you can check out Geely Siegel's new book, Captain Marvel Shadow Code, which came out a couple weeks ago. Here's Geely now. So Carol is in between adventures and she's working with some of her old friends in the Army Research and Development Department, kind of testing new spaceships when she gets a call from Tony Stark, who's got a mystery transpiring on Earth with some technology, with a sketchy technology company that's doing more than it should. And Tony asks her to come and help investigate and figure out what's going on with this. And the villain remains a mystery for most of the book, so I won't spoil, but suffice to say that part of her adventure is figuring out exactly who's behind this shady technology. I started working on this project somewhat soon after Margaret Stoll had just written The Life of Captain Marvel, which was the original inspiration for kind of where Carol is in her personal journey in the book. And it was so great. And I loved that so much that that was like the jumping off point for me. I was definitely nerve wracking thinking about like, lots of people are going to read this and have opinions about whether this is like good Carol or not good Carol. It feels like a tremendous responsibility because she is beloved and she plays such an important role in this universe. And like, first and foremost, I wanted to do her justice, right? To give her an adventure that was worthy of her and to put on the page a version of her that feels relatable and authentic to people, sort of given who she is, but also add something to the story about her and what she goes through. You can find Geely on Instagram at reallygeely. We talked to Anna Senti about her Captain Marvel limited series, but we also have a Captain Marvel ongoing series that just kicked off last month. It's written by Alyssa Wong and drawn by Jan Basildua, and it features a new redesign for Carol by Jen Bartel that looks incredible. The new costume is so great, and I have to confess, we were so excited about it that we like immediately worked it into the Spider-Woman comic <laughs> as well, because Carol shows up in there this month, and we were like, we got to have her in her new outfit. We were so excited. The new Captain Marvel series is fantastic, so I can't wait for readers to get their hands on issue two in a few weeks. In the meantime, though, you can get more Carol Danvers in Marvel Studios' The Marvels out next week on November 10th. Tickets are on sale now. The other two Marvels the title is referring to are Monica Rambeau and Kamala Khan, so we'll have episodes about each of them over the next two weeks. But before we go, we promised you a reading list. Robin, what have you got for us? Here we go. We are kicking things off with this chronological reading list from Marvel Unlimited. Chronological because we're starting at the origin and we're going through to Carol's latest run that just wrapped. To follow along with this Marvel Unlimited reading list, we will be including a link to all of these comics with the episode. So don't worry if you didn't catch it here in full, we've got you covered. Starting off. The Life of Captain Marvel, issue one from 2018. This is a rebooted origin for Carol that definitively establishes her half-Cree origin. So Carol is the daughter of a human man, 
and a Cree woman named Mari L. And it's an important backstory to understand Carol's extraordinary Cree abilities by her birthright and her journey as a super-powered Avenger and leader today. And we see where she started, where she is. It's been a bit of an uneasy but steep climb for her. So I love this run. If you're brand new to Carol, this is the origin. Following it up with Captain Marvel issue one from 2014. So this is the second solo series with Carol Danvers as Captain Marvel, formerly Miss Marvel. And you've got a great creative team up with writer Kelly Sue DeConnick and artist David Lopez. This space ranging story arc that features an intergalactic teleporting rock star named Lila Cheney, a <laughs> Chewie the Flurkin story arc, and Chewie's uncontrolled Flurkin spawn, Carol's space ranging adventures as a defender and as a hero. I love this one. This is a really fun one to read as well if you're new to Carol. And of course, we talked to Kelly Sue earlier, and she had so much interesting stuff to tell us about working on this issue and her relationship to Carol Danvers. And so absolutely at the top of the list for me. Anyways. (laughs) Yeah, we probably could have done a whole other episode that was just, you know, (laughs) us talking to Kelly Sue. So yeah, if people read one thing off this reading list, this is the one. I would say so. It's Definitive Carol. If you want another good entry point, though, you can read Captain Marvel issue one from 2016. So this is Carol Danvers as the leader of the Alpha Flight space program. So this is her assembling a team to protect the planet from extraterrestrial threats. So it's Carol being both a soldier of space and a diplomat. And for someone who can be as fiery and sometimes as militant as her personality is, it's a bit of a journey for her. So she she grows into this role. It's not a natural fit, but she makes it work. And I think that's why we love her. She's sometimes a little rough around the edges, but she's action oriented and reactive. And this forces her into a different sort of role where she gets to flex different kinds of abilities. And our next issue is Captain Marvel issue one, another issue one, this time from 2019. And this is this massive 50 issue run that just wrapped. Kelly Thompson is the writer behind this and she nails the voice of Carol. And I love this one because it really draws in a lot of Carol Danvers history from her time with the brood, from her long standing beef with ex-woman rogue which we got (laughs) into on rogues episode a bit and it's also a great gallery of allies that carol plays off of so bestie spider woman her mentee hazmat who some of us might remember from the avengers academy series and her boyfriend war machine as well so carol can work alone but seldom chooses to and this is a really well-established team book that takes you deep into the Captain Marvel lore and history. The Carol Danvers, Jessica Drew friendship is just so so much fun. Yeah, these two have a really long standing friendship and just play really well off each other. Where Carol has a tendency to sometimes be a bit brooding and introspective. I love that Jess is kind of no nonsense, all business. (laughs) So yeah, they're, they're a lot of fun to read together. Finally, the last issue on our list I think important to include, and again, I do recommend you read in chronology, but if you want to go 
pre-Carol Danvers' Captain Marvel history, then I recommend you try Miss Marvel, issue one from 1977. This is the run that establishes how Carol got her Kree powers, which again was further established in the life of Captain Marvel from 2018. And I think it's an iconic run because it's very emblematic of its time. When I think of the late 70s, you think of Miss Magazine and you think of different ideas of feminism coming into the mainstream. And I think this run really ties back to that. She is Miss Marvel and she has a really cool, sleek uniform. It's a good throwback. So check out that run, which is available in full on Marvel Unlimited. Well, thanks so much, as always, Robin, for coming by with the must-reads for these characters. Next week on Women of Marvel, we are talking about another Marvel, as Ellie mentioned. In fact, this character has also been Captain Marvel at one point, Monica Rambeau. Until then, Women of Marvel is produced by Isabel Robertson, Zachary Goldberg, Ellie Pyle, and Preeti Shiver. Our senior manager of audio development is Brad Barton. Production manager is Emily Godfrey. And our executive producer is Jill Duboff. Special thanks to our comics correspondent, Robin Belt, and our fandom correspondent, Faith Disa. Special thanks this week to Judy Stevens. Listen weekly on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Ellie Pyle. And I'm Preeti Chibber. This is Marvel. Your universe.